coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today for our official Kentucky Game Preview episode is my coach, Charlie. And Charlie, I know we didn't get much time to talk about this pre-show before we hit the record button, but are you still planning on making the trip to Lexington this weekend? I know you were going to try to make it, but is that still on? Is that still happening? As of right now, yeah. Don't sound too excited about it. It's going to be a little cold. Yeah, it's going to be cold. It's going to be a little cold. It's going to be weird because I know in Kentucky they're still kind of like 50% closed or at least 50% capacity in restaurants. And I, know, I know that's kind of around the country, but not so much here in Athens. But like, if this was a normal year, where do you normally kind of rank Lexington, that road trip? Uh, it's about the same as South Carolina. Really? Not but, the best place, not the worst place. I thought you liked it more than that. Well, I mean, it's a... It, you had a bad experience. Most people like to go when the when the horses are running at Keeneland, but you had to go one year and someone made you. I think, I don't know who it was. Somebody made you go and it was like the worst experience of your life. I did not enjoy it. So maybe you're still feeling the watch, effects of that. I wanted to watch football, not horses that day. I, I That's that's my thing. Is I know if you go there on Friday, that's one thing. But if you're going up there for a football weekend, why are you going to watch the horses run on Saturday? I know everybody... Everybody does their own thing, but I'm there to watch football. So I, I never quite got that, but the horses aren't running this time anyway. But all right, anyway, we have a game to preview, so let's move in that direction. Charlie, where are you going to take things to start off with? All right. Looking back to the preseason, you and I were both pretty high on Kentucky relative to what Kentucky is during a normal year. I think you had them going 7-3 and three in the regular season. And I wasn't quite as high on them, but I still had them coming in at 6-4. and four. So both of us were higher on them than the average college football fan. Before the season, you called this a trap game. But now that we are five games into the season with Big Blue already sitting there with three losses and a minus 247 total yardage differential, do you still feel the same way about Kentucky for this game, or do you want to walk that back some? I feel like you're trying to subtly take a shot at me here, but that's cool. I probably deserve it on that preseason pick. I admit it was a little bit aggressive, but the issue is the offense. Clearly, with Terry Wilson inserted back in as a starter this year, coming back off the season-ending injury after I think week two last year, that offense has taken a pretty significant step back from last year. Which is hard to believe. I didn't think that that's kind of where my mind was in the preseason. I mean, last year, as electric as Lynn Bowden was, he was still their best wide receiver that had to be converted into a quarterback midseason. So I knew that Terry Wilson wasn't some superstar quarterback. He was no all SEC caliber type quarterback. I knew that. But I also thought that their offense, even though it might not be as explosive, I thought Terry Wilson would give them at least improved balance. And it would kind of all be a wash. But that hasn't been the case. And I just underestimated how bad this offense would be. I can absolutely admit that. Again, it's not that I thought Terry Wilson was going to be some savior. I just thought there would be a lot more balance with this offense than there was last year. And by extension, that would just naturally make the offense a little bit more effective overall. But that just hasn't been the case. And that's been the problem. So certainly, if you look back at it now, about a month or so in the season, 
that was certainly a little bit aggressive on my part. And no, I don't think they're still going to finish 7-3 and because that would require them winning out, including beating us on Saturday. And I just can't go there right now. They've already lost three games. But I will say this for Kentucky. They haven't been as good as I thought they would be. I will admit that. But they did get kind of hosed in week one against Auburn. You know, that was basically where, I think it was Chris Rodriguez, one of their running backs, his entire upper body was laying over the goal line in the end zone. And they they said, nope, no touchdown. They didn't call a touchdown on the field. They actually reviewed it and they still upheld that and said, oh, no touchdown. If you go back and watch it, if you guys watched that game, which I know a lot of you did in week one of the SEC, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That dude's body was laying over the goal line. Not even just not just like putting the ball over the goal line. His entire upper body, like waist and above, was like over the goal line. And it's like, huh? Are, are we watching the same game? And then what happens on the very next play? From the one-yard line, they throw an interception that Auburn, all, they, they ran back for a touchdown. They got called back for, I think it was a block in the back. And so that completely changed that game. No doubt about it. I'm not saying they for sure would have won that game. But that was almost like a 14-point swing in a way. So they kind of got hosed week one against Auburn. That was not the only bad call in that game. That was just the most egregious one. And then on top of that, they did, yeah, they lost to Ole Miss. That's the only win Ole Miss has is against Kentucky. But they lost to Ole Miss after the kicker missed an extra point overtime. So yeah, they're two and three right now, but that two and three record could easily be four and one. And we might be having a different conversation today heading into that game. The perception of this Kentucky team might be a little bit different. And we're just talking about a couple of plays that are the difference here. I mean, a couple of plays, the difference between them being two and three and four and one. And maybe that's not altogether uncommon, but it really is like there's a thin margin for this team and what they could be. But no, like, Again, this team isn't as good as I thought they would be. Even though you might be taking an ever so subtle stab at me, Charlie, I, I kind of have to agree with you. They just haven't been exactly what I thought they would be, mainly because the offensive production has dropped off so dramatically. Really, by, by nearly 100 yards a game, they're averaging almost 100 yards a game less offensively through the first five games of their season, even though they have an actual quarterback playing quarterback. And I just didn't see that happening. I got that one wrong. I, they'll probably end up Five and five, I think might be best case scenario because they still have to play Alabama, they still have to play Florida. If you look at the rest of the way on their schedule, the rest of the games, I think they should they should probably win. Like they should beat Vanderbilt. They, I mean, Arkansas, like, I don't know. They might not beat Arkansas. That could be a tough one for them too. So I think five and five is probably the best case scenario for them. And I had them, what, seven and three. So that one is when I certainly got wrong. And of course you would point that one out, Charlie. Not the ones I got right, you'd point that one out. But it's all good. It's all good. No worries. Well, you mentioned it. The offense has clearly been the issue for Kentucky. They haven't managed to crack the 200-yard mark in two of their last three games. They've only averaged 197 yards per game over the last three games and are 85th nationally out of 101 teams playing right now, averaging only 307 yards per game on the season. Let me ask you a simple question. What is wrong with this Kentucky offense? Wow, Charlie coming with the goods, with the stats there. I love it, love it. But it's a pretty simple answer. If if you're asking me a simple question, I'll give you a pretty simple answer. They just can't throw it. They simply cannot throw the ball down the field. Their passing attack right now is just anemic. That's the best way I can come up with it. It's just flat out anemic right now. They've thrown for under 100 yards twice in the last three games. Haven't thrown for more than 107 yards in a game since October 3rd when they lost to Ole Miss. And in that game, they only threw it for 151 yards. Right now, they're 91st out of 101 teams playing in passing offense, only averaging 124 yards a game through the air. And half of the 10 teams that it's ahead of right now, so they're 91st out of 101, 
the 10 teams behind them, half of them are option offenses, which is not the case for Kentucky. That's not their issue. It's not the fact that they're running an option offense. It's just simply they can't throw the football. They're trying to run a real offense, but they can't do it. They're actually only averaging 11 yards more passing per game than last year, again, when they had a converted wide receiver in Lyndon Bowden playing quarterback for the majority of the year. Terry Wilson himself, the guy who started every game for them this year, coming back off injury, remember back in 2018, he was their starter that year when they made, not a, a run, but one of the best seasons they've had in a long time. He injured, got himself injured early last year. He's back. He's only averaging six yards per attempt. That's just simply not getting it done. And like those numbers are fine. Like when you're averaging 124 yards a game passing, only six yards an attempt, that's fine when you're running an option offense with a dynamic athlete at quarterback, which is basically what they were doing last year with Bowden. I mean, they essentially were running an option offense. Didn't look like a triple option, but it, it certainly was option based. But it that's not going to work when you're trying to like make some sort of pretense of running a real college offense because you're just not going to have balance. Those kind of offenses require balance to be as effective as they need to be. And when you can't throw the football, you just don't have that balance. And the passing was obviously they can't throw the ball, but it's also really started to impact their rushing attack, which I think is pretty strong. They have good backs. They have a really good offensive line. But they went under 100 yards rushing as a team in two of their last three games after going for 408 yards with three 100-yard rushers against Ole Miss in week two. Like You saw that game. I watched that game. It's like, okay, wow, okay, this team can run the football. And they can. But now that the book's kind of out on what they are offensively and Terry Wilson's limitations have become very clear to de defensive coordinators, they're doing everything they can to take away the run because that's what they're best at. And they have, like I said, they have some capable backs, but there's just not much room when the tape gets out and coordinators realize, oh yeah, you can't really threaten us with the pass. They're going to see a lot of the same boxes we saw last year. That's what they've been seeing this year. And I don't care how good your offensive line is, and their offensive line is one of the best in not just the SEC, but really all of, all of America. And I believe that. When you watch them play, you see that. But it doesn't matter how good the offensive line is. When you're consistently outnumbered in the box, you're just not going to be able to consistently run the ball with any sort of success because you just don't have the numbers. They have more defenders who are trying to stop you than you have blockers who are trying to stop them from stopping you. The, the numbers just don't add up and it doesn't work. It doesn't matter how good those guys are. They can just outnumber you. But really, all paths trace back to their passing game issues. That's what's been the problem for them. That's why they're having so many issues on offense right now. And Charlie, I know you want to move on. I know you like to get things going here at a good rapid pace, but I'm going to pause real quick just to remind all of our listeners out there about our friends at MyBookie. Between the NFL, college football, and full swing now, Major League Baseball playoffs are done. Congratulations, Dodgers, I guess. Wish that was the Braves, but whatever. But football is well into the season right now. And you got the Big Ten back, or at least for now. The Pac-12 will be back here in a couple of weeks, so we'll be full go here for college football in the next couple of weeks. So that means there's going to be thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events where you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. Whether you like to bet on the favorites, whether you like to bet on the underdogs, there's value on both sides. Whatever your preference is, you can do that at my bookie. You got parlays where you can bet on a bunch of favorites that you feel really good about. If you're feeling really good about one of those underdogs, you can throw some money on one of those or a couple of those as well. 
And there's all sorts of things you can bet on. Of course, you got your typical game spreads. You got championship futures. There's player prop bets. Until the election happens, there's even presidential prop bets up right there. So there's so much for you guys to get involved with, and it's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie. It's easy. When you do, use our promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000, guys. That's a great deal. Jump on that. And this bonus is it's just a way to give you a little bit of a head start on your winning season. Again, that's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your first deposit. So stacked UFC cards, all the college football, NFL football you can dream of, all the presidential prop bets, everything, so much more at MyBookie. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Okay. Is there any chance they get things on track this week with Joey Gatewood getting the start at quarterback? With him there, is there any chance they're capable of exploiting some of the issues that we had against Alabama? Yeah, that's a great question. Those those are good points. And it, it does look like Joey Gatewood is going to get this start. He got a couple of series last week against Missouri. I don't think that was a planned thing. Terry Wilson was just playing so badly, and they were having no success moving the ball. So just shortly before halftime, they gave Gatewood a couple series. He didn't have really much more success, but he also didn't get as much time. Coming back out of halftime, they went with Terry Wilson, and it really wasn't much of a better look. But they're, they're not benching Wilson in this game because of performance. Now, they would be justified in doing so, but my understanding is he, he has suffered some sort of hand injury. I don't know all the details there, but it seems like there's a hand injury. He didn't practice on Monday, didn't practice on Tuesday, and it certainly looks like, at least the Kentucky beat writers are reporting, there's a strong likelihood that Joey Gate with the transfer from Auburn, who got immediate eligibility this year, like every other player in the SEC who transferred, he is likely to get his first career start. So when you're looking at Gatewood, there are some similarities there with Terry Wilson, but they're also different kind of runners. They both have the dual threat ability, but they're different in what they bring to the table from a run game perspective. And with Gatewood, in terms of like, can he exploit some of the issues that we had against Alabama, particularly in the passing game, it's tough to say. It's tough to say with any sort of certainty, but based off what I know of him and the limited reps I have seen from him, I mean, I remember watching this guy, his high school tape, because he was a pretty big high school quarterback recruit. And uh, so kind of going back to that and just seeing the, the very few snaps he had, he's had in his career, I mean, I'm not sure he's any more ready to be a team with his arm than Terry Wilson is. I mean, look at his career numbers. I mean, again, there's just not much to work off of. He's 7 for 14 for 72 passing yards in his career. You just don't really know. I'd like to tell you guys, oh, yeah, this guy, there's, he's got no chance to be this with his arm. I don't know that for sure. I, don't, I have my doubts about him being ready from like a – coverage, reading coverages standpoint, understanding where to go with the football and like the, that cerebral aspect of playing quarterback. I'm unsure of his ability to do that because he just hasn't done it. Now, physically, he's got the tools. He's a big dude, athletic, can can throw the football. He's got a, a nice, strong arm. But I just, I don't know about the, the finer aspects of playing quarterback, those nuances of playing that position. It's just, it's just tough to know because we just haven't seen it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know. I will say if Terry Wilson has been as bad as he has been this season, and they still haven't gone to Gatewood. These coaches that see him day in, day out at practice and the meeting rooms, all those things, and they still think Terry Wilson was their best option. I have a hard time thinking that Gatewood just going to come in there and be light years better than what Terry Wilson was in the passing game. Because any sort of deficiencies that were exposed against Bama for our defense, it all revolved around our pass defense and in Bama's pass game. And so if you're asking, like, 
Is Gatewood going to be more capable of exploiting some of those potential deficiencies, some of those issues that might have cropped up against Alabama? I'm just not sure. At least there's no evidence to suggest that Joey Gatewood materially changes anything for this Kentucky passing attack. So, I mean, if you, if you, again, if you look at it, I don't think his skill set is necessarily one that can exploit some of those issues in the back end. If we want to call them issues, I know to me right now it's the anomaly. Alabama is just really good in the passing game, especially with a healthy Jalen Waddle, and we've been fairly good in the back end outside of that one game. It's just a really tough ask to defend that team. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm ready to call them issues. Uh, they were certainly maybe some concerns. I don't know what's the difference there. We're talking about semantics now. But I just don't know if his skill set is necessarily one that can really exploit some of those issues. And also, it's not even just the quarterback. I'm not sure they have a ton of playmakers at wide receiver. They have one guy that's pretty good out wide, Josh Ali. Like, he's the only guy that's done anything for them in the passing game from a receiving standpoint. He's got 25 catches for 290 yards on the season through five games. Solid numbers, not elite numbers. But solid numbers. But outside of Josh Ali, like no one else is doing anything. They have no one else with more than 68 yards receiving this year, whether that's running backs, receivers, tight ends, no one else on the team with more than 68 yards receiving outside of Josh Ali's 25 catches for 290 yards. So yeah, quarterback hasn't been great, but the receivers haven't been doing much for him. And you also, I mean, you can also fairly ask, was it the receivers or is it the quarterback? I think it's honestly a little bit of both. If you watch them play, Josh Ali against a talented wide receiver, he can make some plays. Outside of him, like I just haven't seen anything from in my film study of them this past week. I haven't seen anything from those receivers to suggest that it's just the quarterback and those guys are ready. If you make the right change at quarterback, those guys are ready to go out there and start making a ton of plays. I just haven't seen that. But going back to Gatewood, no, I don't think he really changes the the dynamic for them in the passing game. But but the running game is interesting with him because he he's a dual threat guy. He's a capable runner, more than a capable runner, just like Terry Wilson is. But his style is a little bit different. He's a bigger guy. Terry Wilson's not big at all. And in fact, he's pretty slight. He's, he's not a, a very thick guy. Gatewood's pretty thick for a quarterback. He's 6'4", 221, a guy that can also run at that size. Not quite as big as Cam Newton, obviously, but when you see him out there at that position playing quarterback, especially when he was playing at Auburn, you just kind of look at him and you say, well, you kind of get some of those Cam Newton vibes. So uh, he has that element where he has speed, but also can run with power. And so if you think about that, I, I'm curious. I think they might actually, if he is indeed the guy that gets to start in this game and all signs point to that, I think they might revert back to doing some of the quarterback run-centric stuff they did with Lynn Bowden last year. Now, it's tough to do that in one, in one week with no bye week. But it would make sense. It would make sense if they started kind of revert back to some of that stuff they did with Bowden. Now, honestly, I've been waiting for them to do that all year when you look at how bad their passing offense has been. I know they're trying to run a real offense, but it just hasn't been working. So I've been waiting for them to just kind of pull up that old playbook from last year, just dust that off a little bit and say, all right, you know what? All that stuff we did with Bowden, I know, I know maybe Wilson's not quite as electric as Bowden, but like, let's just try to do some of that stuff. Because like, at least we know that we could have a, a decent offense with that kind of rushing attack. And I'm curious with, with Gatewood, if they start, I don't know, dusting off some of those old plays from last year and bringing them back out. Because the strength of that team, clearly offensively, it's the run game. It's the run game personnel. I mentioned earlier, they have a great offensive line. And yes, I know they haven't necessarily been great running the football the past couple of weeks, but I still think that offensive line is really good. I don't put that on the offensive line. I think Drake Jackson is as good as it gets in America at center. I'm really high on him. They've got some good players up front. They just when you're again when you're outnumbered, I know everyone just looks at the stats and says, oh, okay, well they're not look they're not putting up a lot of rushing yards. Offensive line just must be overrated. No, like that's not it. Like when you watch the like for example when you watch the Tennessee offensive line, just watch them play like independent of the actual numbers they put up. You watch the offensive line play and it's pretty obvious. Yeah, the offensive line's not very good. They just get beat. They get whipped. I mean they're just not good. You watch the Kentucky offensive line, they're actually doing a pretty good job blocking guys. They're just 
not enough of them of them to block all the defenders that are in the box right now because they have no respect for them trying to throw the football down the field. So I think they have a good offensive line. I think they have three good running backs too. I think Chris Rodriguez is the guy I like the most out of the, out of the group. They call him uh, Little Benny because he reminds people of Benny Snell. He's not quite as big and physical as Benny Snell because Benny Snell was just a physical dude, one of the more physical running backs I've seen in the SEC in a long time. And there's been some physical backs in this league, but Benny Snell was right up there. And Rodriguez is physical in his own right. Not again, not Benny Snell, but but you know in that same. Vein. He's 5'11", 225 pounds, runs hard, runs physical. Has some pretty good lateral agility. He's uh, leading them from the running back position right now with 305 yards rushing. A.J. Rose is the guy who typically starts the game for them. He's a good, solid running back. I I wouldn't classify classify him as dynamic, but I think he's certainly capable. And he can bust off some big runs. He bust off a pretty big run against Auburn in week one. He's got 235 yards rushing right now. Terry Wilson's actually actually second on the team in rushing yards right now with 251. Cavassier Smoke is a guy who's a smaller guy, but runs uh, with a lot of explosiveness in his game. He's their most explosive running back. He's been out for the past couple games, but he was dressed out last week against Missouri on the road. He just did not get in the game, but there's a good chance he'll play again this week. It looked like he was ready last week. And the thing about those running backs, Rodriguez, Rose, and Smoke, they all really complement each other well. They bring a different element to the game. And A.J. Rose is also really good on the backfield in the receiving game. So good offensive line, really good offensive line, three good running backs. And then if you throw Joey Gatewood in the mix, I think they become even more dynamic on the on the ground. So it just makes sense to me for them to kind of revert back a little bit to what they were doing last year. And, and look, I know it's technically an injury to Wilson that's knocking him out, but if you're getting nothing from him in the passing game, even if you don't think you're going to get anything from Gatewood in the passing game either, Gatewood does give you the ability to expand your ground game because he's bigger and more physical. You can expand your ground game with some more quarterback power type stuff that maybe Terry Wilson just wasn't as well equipped to do with his frame his slider frame. Even though he's a good runner, he's just a different type of runner. So no, going back to your original question, Charlie, I don't think Gatewood is going to like jumpstart their passing game, but I do think he can pose some issues in other ways for our defense this week. So the Kentucky offense has been pretty much abysmal to this point, which means Mark Stoops' defense is yet again carrying far more than its fair share of the weight. What's new in big blue country? They are top 30 nationally, giving up 357 yards per game and are pretty even in their success defending both the pass and the run. We all know that our offense is still very much a work in progress. So how does our offense match up against this Kentucky defense? And do you think our offense can get on track moving into the all-important cocktail party next week? Yeah, Charlie, I think you're definitely right in pointing out that this Kentucky defense is certainly the strength of this team overall. But while the Kentucky defense is good, they are a good defense. Don't get me wrong. I think I got that right for the most part. They're good, but they're still not elite. This is not an elite Kentucky defense. I, I think they're good. Like I thought they would be coming this season. But I will also admit they're not quite as good as I thought they would be. This defense was top 20 last year with a really young unit. A lot of guys coming back off that unit last year. So I thought naturally they would take that next step and maybe become a top 15, maybe even a top 10 caliber defense but that hasn't been the case. They've still been good. I mean, they have. They have been good. If you look at some of these these games and the total yards they've given up against some of these SEC teams they faced, Ole Miss, yeah, Ole Miss put up 459 yards on them, which seems like a lot, but that that was early in the season when Ole Miss was putting up 600-plus yards on Bama, 600-plus yards on Florida, and yeah, they put up 450 on Kentucky, but relatively speaking, that was actually a pretty good defensive performance. I mean, for the most part, based on what Ole Miss was doing to everyone else. That was before Ole Miss kind of gotten figured out a little bit by Arkansas 
and uh, and Auburn, some of those other teams. And then Mississippi State and Tennessee, they held both those teams under 300 yards. And sure, Mississippi State's defense has been struggling once everybody's figured out how you just drop eight into coverage and only rush three. And Tennessee's offense, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, they got a, a bad offensive line, a quarterback that's up and down. But in Auburn, they, they held Auburn in, in week one to barely over 300 yards in that game. So they really, like, statistically haven't been that bad. Um, but when you look at them, like their rush defense, their pass defense, like there's not one area where like they're pr- particularly strong. They're they're pretty good all around. They're they're about they're a little bit better than average all around. They're 37th nationally in rush defense, 44th nationally in pass defense. What I think is the strength of the entire defense is their defensive line, though. I think that's really important to point out because I think that is the strength of their defense. It's a really good and huge defensive line. Quentin Bohanna, who I think is an NFL caliber guy. At nose guard, 6'4", 357, and the dude can move at that size. I mean, I think he's their version of Jordan Davis. You got Marquand McCall, 6'3", 379, even bigger than Quentin Bohanna, if you can imagine. I mean, 380 pounds, guys, 380 pounds, and he moves pretty well for that size. Phil Hoskins is a guy that's really coming on at, at defensive tackle, 6'5", 315. And then, oh, yeah, at defensive end, Josh Pascal is a veteran guy that's a really good five-tech defensive end for them, 6'3", 280, not quite as big, obviously, as the interior guys, but still a really, really strong defensive lineman, just like the, just like the rest of that, that unit up front. They're really, really good up front. I think Bohanna is the best. He's a beast. But here's one thing that, I mean, I don't wish ill on any of the players, obviously. I don't want him to be injured. But one thing that might help us out a little bit is I don't think he's going to play. At least I'm not sure. He, he might not play. He went out uh, in about, right around halftime of the Tennessee game a couple weeks ago. Did not play against Missouri last week. According to Mark Stoops, there's no like set timetable, but he says he's going to miss some time. He, he banged up his knee a little bit, did something there. He, there were no more specifics that were given. And again, he just said he's going to miss some time, but we'll think it's not like a serious injury as in like torn ACL or something. So I don't know, but I think signs are pointing to, especially if it's a knee injury and a guy is that big, I, I, I think signs are probably pointing to not playing this week. And that would certainly help us. But even if Bohanna is not in there, as good as he is, I mean, he's really good. I think he's an NFL caliber guy. I mean, again, I think he's their version of Jordan Davis. Not quite as good as Jordan Davis, but he's he's a really good player in his own right. I think he's an all-SEC caliber defensive tackle. But even with him out, they're still big and they're still good up front. And if you run into the middle of that defense, I think you're kind of playing into their hands. So asking about can, can this offense get on track moving into the Florida game next week? Well, first off, I would say we can't overlook this game. We don't want this to be one of those trap game scenarios. Like I did say at the beginning of the year, I don't think it's quite as much of that now, especially since we have the bye week coming into it. But it's, it's still a team that's capable of beating us if we don't play well and we don't take them seriously. But if we want to get on track, I would say don't run the ball consistently into the middle of that defense. Of course, you have to do it from time to time. You can't only run the ball on the edges. But if you're consistently trying to make your hay run the ball in the middle of that defense, you are playing into their hands. That's the strength of this team. And their linebackers, too. It's not just the tackles. DeAndre Square and Jamin Davis, they're starting inside linebackers. They're pretty stout inside linebackers between the tackles. But they just don't move that well for SEC linebackers. I'm not saying they're slow. They're just not as fast as a guy like N'Kobe Dean or Roquan Smith back in the day. They don't move that well sideline to sideline. So I do think to get this offense on track, especially the running game, let's attack the edges, guys. Let's go after the edges. Missouri had a ton of success in that game. 
last week doing exactly that. They really kind of caught on, especially once they got in the second half and they're trying to ice that game away. They ran for 220 on this Kentucky defense, and this Kentucky defense up front is, is good. But when you run the edges, you kind of neutralize their strength, which is right up the middle with that defensive front. And I, I think we have a much better offensive personnel than Missouri, and Missouri was still able to run for 220. So if we can kind of follow that game plan, I'm not sure there's going to be a ton they can do about it, especially if Bohanna is not playing this week. If you look at their secondary, they're, they're fine. They're good. They're good-ish, but they're, they're certainly not elite. I'll say that. Uh, they are opportunistic, but they can be beaten. Like when you are opportunistic, sometimes you take chances and you can also get beaten. And, and they're just like, they're not like superstars out on the edges in the secondary. They, they have some guys that are fine, but they you can definitely beat them in man coverage. I think it's all about whether we can establish the run in this game because Kelvin Joseph and Brandon Eccles at cornerback, they're both, again, they're very beatable in man coverage. And I imagine we'll see a lot of that. I think what we'll see a lot of, if you go back to the past couple years against Kentucky and what Mark Stoops has done against us defensively, we've seen a lot of cover three, a lot of man free, single high safety looks. And if you get a single high safety, more often than not, unless you're doing something crazy exotic, it's probably going to be cover three or man free. Where in man free is where you have one deep safety and everybody's playing man underneath. I think we'll see a heavy dose of both of those. I think they'll mix them well. They, and they do a really good job of trying to disguise things. And Mark Stoops' defenses generally do a really good job of that. But it's going to be really important for us to, number one, be able to run the football so that we can make them more predictable in what they're doing with their coverage. Because if we can't run the football against that front seven, that front six, whatever we're, we're coming out in and whatever they're coming out in, probably a front six. But if we can't run the football, that means they can keep two safeties back and you can get a lot more exotic and your coverage is a lot less predictable. And that for a quarterback in Stetson Bennett, who is going to start this game, guys? Kirby Smart said this week on an interview, I think it was on the Paul Feinbaum show, that Stetson is our quarterback. Doesn't mean JT Daniels won't play at all, but means that Stetson's going to start and we're going to give him at least a lot of leeway because it certainly seems that's what Kirby's doing right now. Whether we agree or disagree, that's what's happening. So Stetson Bennett, I know he's been around for a while, but he's still inexperienced playing at this level. So we don't want to make it tougher for him to diagnose what they're doing. We can run the football. He'll have an easier time diagnosing what they're doing from a coverage standpoint. It's really important for Stetson to be able to recognize that coverage and get us in the right play pre-snap because it'll allow us to be more effective on offense. He'll understand, hopefully, that when they give us some man looks, we'll take some of those vertical shots down the field and try to loosen up a little bit. When they uh, play off and cover three, we can work the RPO, the underneath game, and that'll just make our offense function at a much more of a high level than what it would otherwise. And then it all comes back to, can we find a way to run the football against what I think is a really good, solid Kentucky front six? All right, we've got to get to our 3-2-1 segment where Tyler is going to identify three reasons for Georgia fans to feel optimistic about the dog's chances this week. Two causes for concern and one key to the game. Tyler, let's start with the good stuff, the positive points. What are three reasons why Dog Nation should feel good about our chances to leave Lexington with the W? Yeah, and this one, I do think there are a lot of reasons for optimism in this game. It's certainly not a guarantee. No game is a guarantee. This is an extraordinarily well-coached team with enough athletes, enough good players that they can beat us if we are not ready to come in there and give them our best shot. Because we're going to get their best shot. we got to give them their best shot. That's kind of a thing now where we're just getting every team's best shot, and we've got to be ready each and every week. Or you can get beat. We saw that last year against South Carolina. But if you're looking for some reasons for optimism going into this game, number one, I'll just go back to what I said earlier about this Kentucky offense. This team just simply has not shown the ability to throw the football with any sort of consistency, whether it's downfield, intermediate, short. They just haven't shown any ability at all to really find success in the passing game. So that makes it tough for them 
to take advantage of what teams clearly now see as our defensive weakness, which is defending speedy wide receivers in space. So when you can't really take advantage of that, at least based off what I've seen so far, now I'm sure they'll come out and, and they'll throw it for 400 yards, right? But there's been no evidence of that to this point. So that's got to be a reason for optimism. Even if there were some issues that popped up and, the, and teams found some ways to try to attack our defense, I just don't know, even if Mark Stoops and company and Eddie Grant, their offense coordinator, are able to identify that those those areas. I'm not sure that they have the personnel to really exploit that. So that's got to be a reason for optimism there. Another reason for optimism, I mentioned just a minute ago, Quentin Bohanna, really, really good defensive tackle for Kentucky. I mean, that guy is just a stud, honestly. But I, I do think it's unlikely that he plays in this game. Now, again, who knows? Maybe he comes out there and he's ready to go. He gets those steroid shots and this guy's ready to play the game of his life. That could happen. But didn't play last week. Missed the second half against Tennessee. The deal with the knee injury, a guy that big when you have to put all that weight on the knee, it's, it isn't the best thing for a knee recovery. And that dude's an NFL player. He's absolutely an NFL player. He can wreck a game plan single-handedly. He can, I've seen the guy do it. So the fact that he's unlikely to play I think is an advantage for us, especially if we want to try to find some success running the football and make things a little easier, take some pressure off Tetson Bennett. So I think that could be something that, that could help us out there as a reason for optimism. And then also, like you just got to look at this as a quarterback and Joey Gatewood, who's making his first career start. And I'll say it again. Yes, of course, it'll be just our luck. He goes out there and he lights the world on fire and he becomes an instant Heisman Trophy candidate. Like Obviously, that's not going to happen. At least I don't think it's going to happen. But when, when a guy's making his first career start, You've got to like your chances. I know Stetson Bennett made his first career start against Auburn a couple weeks back, and he fared pretty well, but he also had the much more talented team around him compared to that Auburn team. That's not going to be the case for Joey Gatewood. We're going to be more talented almost every position, so he's going to be working at a talent disadvantage in this game, making his first start, and making your first start against, yeah, I know everyone's, not everyone, but a lot of people are kind of down on our defense after the Alabama game, but guys, Kentucky is not Alabama, and it's a really tough ask for him to make his first career start against a defense of our caliber. I just, I think that's a really tough spot to put him in. So I think that is something that is going to help us out here. It's a reason to be optimistic. I think we can force him into some mistakes that can help us uh, find our way to a comfortable win in Lexington. Okay. No one likes to be negative, but we have to be objective. So what are two causes for concern against Kentucky on Saturday? Okay. I know this is going to sound weird, but just hear me out here. I'm going to go right back to the well, to what I used for my last reason for optimism, saying a quarterback making his first career start should probably work to our advantage, especially with our with our elite defense. But the quarterback making his first career start, there's a flip side to that inexperience because we also don't have any tape on him to work off of. We don't really know what his tendencies might be. We don't know how their offense might change with him in the game. We can guess. We can have some ideas. We can go back and look at what they've done historically. We can go back and look at what they did last year with Lynn Bowden at quarterback. But schematically and from a play-calling tendency standpoint, we really don't have a lot to work off of. We're kind of flying in the dark there. Again, not completely in the dark. Schematically, we can go back and look at what they did last year with Bowden. We can look at what they've done this year with the quarterback run game. Because I do imagine we're going to see a lot of quarterback run game with with Gatewood. That would, that would make a lot of sense. Some screen game, that kind of stuff. Some easy throws to take pressure off of him. So like, we're not completely starting from scratch when game planning from them, but it's also not exactly apples to apples either. We also don't have a complete idea of what we expect them to do offensively with a new quarterback in there. And there's still the factor that, yeah, Terry Wilson is, is, is allegedly hurt, but they could be playing coy. This could be mind games. And so 
does Kirby and the defensive staff, do they decide to go ahead and also game plan for Terry Wilson just in case? If you do that, it takes time away from prepping from Gatewood, who looks like in all likelihood he is going to be the starting quarterback for this game. So really kind of just from a, it's really more from a preparation standpoint than anything. It just, it kind of messes with your game prep and your game planning when you're going against a quarterback who really just hasn't played much at all in his career, making his first career start. It's just a tougher task to game plan. Now, obviously we'll be able to make some adjustments in game. And I think our defensive staff does, does a really good job with that, but it might take a series or two. So don't necessarily be shocked if the first drive or two they're maybe having a little bit more success than they would typically because we just kind of have to get a feel for what they're trying to do with Gatewood and Corbett. So just throw that out there. And then the second reason uh, for maybe at least a little bit of concern here is that we got to look at our quarterback position. Can Stetson Bennett do enough in the passing game to pose a threat? And like the evidence at this point, I think, says yes. When we're playing teams like Tennessee, Auburn, who are on like a pretty similar level to this Kentucky defense. I do think the Kentucky defense is maybe a slight bit better than Tennessee and better than, than Auburn, but they're not like significantly better than those defensive units. And Stetson was fighting against those teams. He did enough for us to win. Actually played fairly well in those games. Made some poor decisions at times, but all in all played, played well enough for us to win those games. But we also happened against Alabama. Is Stetson going to be able to bounce back? Is the book out on Stetson now? Did Alabama kind of expose some things that that give him issues? Is Kentucky going to build off of that? It's tough to know. It's tough to know. It's our first game back off the bye week. because And I think this is important because if, if Stetson is not able to pose a threat in the passing game, if we can't get the passing game clicking at all in this game, like I told you guys, they are stout in that front six. I really think that Demons of Line is a good defensive front, especially if Bohannon can find a way to play. I don't think that's going to happen. But if Quentin Bohannon finds his way into the lineup and he toughs it out and he's, he gets clearance and he's good to go, that'll make our task even tougher. So I don't know, even though we I do like how our offensive line is playing right now and I, and I like our running backs, I think we should be able to run the football with a fair amount of success. But if we can't throw the ball at all, I mean, even though I think the run game is the strength of our offense right now, which we're trying to feel out our identity, but if we can't find a way to throw the ball then it's going to be really tough to find a way to run the ball with any sort of consistency. It's just tough to do that against guys that big on that Kentucky defensive front without a threat of a passing game. It's just tough. It's already going to be tough, even just with the basic numbers, with their front six. But if we can't throw the football and they don't respect our passing game down the field, if they can get an additional body or two in the box at times, that's going to make it even more difficult to find a way to run the football. So I do think us being able to throw the football is going to be important in this game. And I'm not saying that we can't, because again, Stetson has shown he can do it against comparable level defenses or close enough to comparable level defenses. But again, is the book out after the Alabama game? Are they going to be able to build off that? Are we going to be able to throw the ball with enough success? If we do, then I like our chances here, but I don't know if that's necessarily a guarantee right now in this game. And finally, what is your one key to the game? This one's pretty easy for me. It really is. When you actually peel back the layers and watch the Kentucky team play and you look at how things are fair for them throughout the year and don't just look at, at their record at two and three here. It's pretty clear to me. The key in this game is just simply do not turn the ball over. Do not give them easy scores. And of course, yes, I know it's one of those things that you can say about just about any game that you play, but there's some games where it's just more important than other games. And I think this is one of those games. Because if you look at Kentucky this year, yeah, a couple weeks ago, we were all excited when they when they beat Tennessee in Knoxville. They beat, they killed Tennessee, 34-7, right? If you just look at the final score, wow, 34-7. Kentucky just destroyed Tennessee. They just beat them down in Knoxville. But 
If you actually watch the game, you know that wasn't the true story. Yeah, the final score looks like that. But if you watch the game, Kentucky didn't dominate that game. Tennessee just self-destructed. They made a bunch of mistakes in the game, and they basically handed that game to Kentucky. I mean, they beat Tennessee 34-7 in Knoxville despite only outgaining the Vols by seven total yards. They outgained them 294 to 287, yet they won by 27 points. How do you do that? Like, how does that happen? It's pretty simple. The formula is the opposing team turns the ball over and gives Kentucky a bunch of non-offensive touchdowns. And that's exactly what happened against Tennessee. Tennessee turned the ball over four times that game. Jared Guarantano went all Jared Guarantano and threw two pick sixes in the first half. And that is a cardinal sin against a team with a struggling offense and a good defense. When they're struggling to score, you cannot give them defensive or special teams touchdowns, and you can't give them short fields that set up scores. You can't help out their struggling offense, because if you do, if you give them easy scores there and they have a good defense to complement that, then their defense might be good enough to limit your scoring opportunities enough to find a way to sneak out of there with a win. And that's exactly what happened with that Tennessee game in Knoxville. Tennessee just gave them some easy scores, and Kentucky's defense is good enough to stop Tennessee from making up for that. And like, and also when you turn the ball over, you give them pick sixes, not only are you giving them easy scores, you're also taking opportunities away from yourself. You're limiting your own opportunities. So you just can't do that. This Kentucky team, guys, I do not believe that they are good enough to score enough points on this defense unless we give them things, unless we give them pick sixes or fumble recoveries for touchdowns or punt returns or kick returns for a touchdown, unless we fumble the ball like we did uh, with, with this opening snap against Tennessee and they get an easy touchdown like that in the end zone. They get the ball on the five-yard line and they go in, they're able to punch it in with a, with a quarterback, a big, powerful guy that can punch it in the end zone inside the five-yard line. Unless we do things like that all game long, I just don't see, especially with a first-time starting quarterback, I just don't see how this Kentucky offense, which has really been struggling, is going to be able to do enough to beat this Georgia football team. I just don't see how they're going to be able to score enough against this Georgia defense. Yes, I know we had some issues in Alabama, but this Kentucky team, guys, this Kentucky offense it ain't Alabama's offense. They don't have that kind of personnel. They just don't. So that's what it comes down to for me. Honestly, we're just better. We're more talented. We're deeper. We are clearly the better football team. And we will win this game if we just don't get stupid and do stupid things like we did against Alabama. Guys, we wouldn't beat Alabama if we didn't do stupid things in that game, if we would just execute. So if we go out, execute, if Stetson plays smart, doesn't try to force things, then we're going to win this game because I just don't think that this Kentucky offense, like I said, is good enough to, to threaten us to put up enough points to win this game. I'm not saying that our offense isn't going to go out there against this Kentucky defense and put up a 40 spot. I'm not saying that, but I do think that we are good enough offensively. And we've shown this throughout the year against comparable level defenses, good enough to go out there and put, enough, put up enough points to beat this Kentucky team because that struggling offense versus our, I would still say, elite defense. I know some people might disagree after Alabama, but I'm still saying that's just a one-game scenario with a really unique set of circumstances with a team that's just built for that. They're just ridiculously talented on offense. Just a tough team to defend. And Kentucky, again, ain't that. But all right, guys, that's it for today here on the Glory UJ Podcast. It's really good to actually be able to preview a game again. It's been a couple of weeks after the bye week. So we're really excited to be able to actually talk some football and be able to sit down and break down a game for you guys, preview this Kentucky team a little bit. And Charlie and I will be back later this week to wrap things up with our Picks of the Week episode. 
which is always a lot of fun. So make sure to check back with us late Thursday evening into Friday, Saturday also, if you want to check that out. We'll have a, a full slate of games to pick, and of course, we'll wrap things up on that episode with the only game that everyone here really cares about, which is our matchup against Kentucky on Saturday. But thanks for listening, guys. We really do appreciate all your support throughout the year, but especially during the football season. You guys are the best. We couldn't do it without you. But for Charlie, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>